Welcome to episode 240 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. A show where I'm pretending to be happy and full of life, even though I probably only got about two hours sleep last night. So why'd you only get two hours? Because I drank a cup of coffee before going to bed. How late was this cup of coffee you consumed? Probably around 11. Is this not something you normally do? No. Doesn't make sense, does it? Now, what made you decide to do that? I don't know. I was just in the mood for some reason, but then at about five in the morning, I'm like, God, I wish I didn't have that cup of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> you know I, I, I learned that lesson a while back. I, I, uh, <laughs> I try not to do that kind of stuff. That's too bad. How are you feeling? Feeling good. You're looking uh, shaved. Yeah? Well, yeah. you know, I do my monthly shave. I kind of, yeah, I, I let it grow for usually from three to five weeks. All right. Rotate, you know. <laughs> so uh yeah you just caught me at a clean shaven moment so uh what's the latest let's hear the well what's going uh on? hey justin this is, i'm reading an email from ryan Sorensen, who's my broker okay pluggio broker hey justin i have an official offer from one of our best buyers for the full asking price of eighty five thousand dollars oh you're only selling for 85 that's how much they they've added is that your that. share no, once so basically they're going to get fifteen percent. So I'll end up with something like seventy-two thousand. Okay. If the sale goes through. Okay. It's the, so an offer has been made. Right, an offer has been made. Okay. And um, I we now do a week of due diligence. Okay. So there's like an Asana project where I, I have to like do things like, for example, give them access to the Google Analytics and do all this different stuff so that they can go in and have a look and. Yeah, it's not provide. like buying a car. You they have to kind of ins- <laughs> really inspect it, and or it's even it's, it is like buying a car, but a car that can have a lot of problems that you you can't just bring a mechanic and take who, who comes takes a fifteen minute look. Yeah, exactly. You got I've got to give them bank account details and a whole bunch of stuff. Actually, that one interesting thing is that all of the the PayPal money is captured through my JV Multimedia PayPal right. account. So to sell this, I'm basically going to have to give them the JV Multimedia PayPal account and like transfer my subscriptions to some other account. And it's just basically complicated because I, I, we, we contacted PayPal. It is possible. Basically, I extract my bank accounts and then they we hand over the account, then they connect their bank accounts. But it's a, it's a, it's a, an you, ugly you, process. Because you intermingled all of your business stuff into one account. Which you have always told me not to do. Which I told you not to do. Like, so when we were first thing at any account and you were like, well, can't we just put this any I'm like, no, absolutely not. Like, you know, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, one is just, uh, it's just general good practice and, and clean accounting when you don't do stuff like that. It's, it's, you know, it's just poor form to be putting in personal charges and in, in, in the company account and then, and then having to like reconcile that and pay the company back. But the other problem is, is that if you start like an, L- an LLC, for instance, and an, an S Corp might be similar, and you put a lot of personal expenses on it, and if you ever get sued, the uh, the the prosecution could argue that um, the, this really isn't a separate account. It's just you, right? They call it piercing the corporate veil. So the reason people start LLCs, one of the reasons people start LLCs is for li- limited liability. It's liability protection. So like they can only sue you 
for the assets of the company. They couldn't come after your personal assets like your house, your life savings, right? So you 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 don't want to give um, the court any reason to believe that you and your company are the same entity. In which case, that whole fiction of the corp- of the of the corporation is is removed. Well, the JV Multimedia PayPal account isn't a personal account; like it's a business account. But that, it doesn't, but, doesn't matter. But I mean, the issue the issue here is not like whether I'm spending, you know, buying personal things. The issue is is that. It is commingled in the sense that JV Multimedia is a company and Plugio's a thing. One and, entity, yeah. 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 And, and, and I mean, I can understand. Okay, so I, right, isn't, you're not commingling business and person. No, you're, but, you're, but you're, what I, you're mixing up multiple business operations. Exactly. So, so with JV Multimedia, I'm paying for like quite a few different SaaS apps. You know, yep. they're, all, they're all done through there, right? So, but also, it's called JV Multimedia. So giving them that account, they're getting that. I don't even know how it works. I guess that there isn't really a login with PayPal, is it? There's, e- there's just an email. It's probably just like an account ID or something. So yeah. I probably would be able to open another one called JV Multimedia. But I think next time... But see, the thing is, how do you, how do you not... I mean, unless you create a company for every well, you could app... Probably, you could probably create a, uh, a new account. For every app? But you, you've got to create problem. a company. Because you've, you've, you know, you've got to link the bank account. Yeah, can, can, it's all just based on an email address, right? So you just create an email address. So you have a new domain, XYZ Corp. Justin at XYZ Corp is the email address, or yeah. contact xyzcorp.com. But you can and, only, but you, but then how do you get the money? To, I, I guess transfer. what you'd do is you'd transfer it. To, so you'd have a main PayPal account, yeah, and then you'd you'd capture it in all these sub PayPal accounts. But I, I wouldn't use PayPal again anyway if I was going to do a SaaS app. Oh, for collecting payments? Yeah, Stripe. I'd use Stripe probably or something like that. Actually, it did, it did bring to mind that um, one thing is if, if this sells, which I hope it does, um, there's a few things. Firstly, should I even bother keeping JV Multimedia open anymore anyway? Um, right. Because I'm on, I get full-time salary through Digidoo and I don't have another SaaS app. But second thing is, should I start another SaaS app? Should I start something else, some new little project? Well, it sounds like you're completely overwhelmed with Digidoo. Yeah, but that extra bit of money every month makes, I mean, like, the, that really is makes a difference to your life, you know, that extra couple of grand. Yeah, or more than that, right? It's like three or thirty. Yeah, yeah, month, exactly. Right? Yeah. Makes a big difference. So Well, that's that's uh what is that? That's equivalent to like probably making well again net maybe like a thirty thousand dollar salary. Right? Exactly. So um yeah, I can see that, that that helps. So actually just just before you go on, I I had a point to make about that. I was, this is another thing that I was another reason why I couldn't get to sleep because I was thinking about this stuff last yeah. night. So um, I have here the ideal SaaS app. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Like what what attributes does the ideal SaaS app uh, need for me anyway? This is just my theory. Okay. So I actually really like the the five dollars per person a month approach. I quite I, I, I when you told me about that for your secret project, I didn't like it, but the more I think about it, the more I like about it. Because it does kind of scale. Yeah. So Why didn't you like it? Because in some ways it leaves money on the table. Because if you have like a pricing plan where you have $20 for the lowest user, 50 for the middle, and 100 for the biggest, then even if there's one person, you're still getting four, pers- four people's worth of money at a $20 mm-hmm. plan. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so let's say something that $5 a month per person, no third-party dependencies. Okay. Yeah, that's a big one, isn't it? Yeah. 
Remember, to I mean, like basically hooking into Twitter or yeah, don't play. Any, I think Jason Calacanis wrote a big article. About don't play in other people's ecosystems because actually, yeah. they will subsume you. And 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 there might be a few lucky survivors, but it's an, it's dangerous. Okay, another one business focused. So basically, your your end purchaser is a business. Okay, right. Um, I think we all know that low server usage. I found out like it's just it's annoying to have to administrate servers. Oh, yeah. so you have something because Plugio is really server. Yeah, You've got exactly. A lot of stuff yeah. you're doing. Yeah, I don't want that anymore. I mean, for example, BitSketch, you know, which is um, prop- invoice proposal software. Ruben I mean, Gomez. Yeah, Ruben Gomez. I mean, that's not that's not going to hurt the servers. You could have ten thousand people, and it wouldn't be an issue, right? Okay, value for value. So basically, they're giving you five bucks, and you're giving them something good back. Yeah. Right. And but also, this is a big one: not deployment critical. So. Not something that basically, if your site goes down, their site's going to go down. Right. You know? Right. Um, and easy to build. It's quite a lot. So I was thinking, I mean, that, like you could, like the, the classic ones that fit into this, um, this, uh, all of those things, are a time tracker. Right. But you sound really interested in this. I'm listening. Go. Okay. Time tra- so <laughs> You're backgrounding me. No, I'm not backgrounding. What, uh, Dustin, uh, sorry. <laughs> Tell me the list of the... Uh, okay, the Time Tracker would fit all of those categories. So basically a, a SaaS Time Tracker app, like Freckle, right? Password Manager. So as an app that allowed a team to share passwords and different people could see different passwords. Invoice Proposal Software. That's about as far as I got. But those are all just clones of things. There's no, I'm ju- I, I know. There. No, they're just they're already out there. But I, I was trying to think like what. Kind what are of, examples? Yeah, what are examples? I, I mean, I don't know a new thing. Right, right. <laughs> but there's some there's some examples of that. Fit that bill. Yeah. Yeah, I think time tracking, invoicing stuff would work. It's, uh, uh, so, but it's so assuming dumb. it was 2007. It's overdone, right? <laughs> or 2009. <laughs> That's why it's so interesting. Uh, you know, listening to advice from. Um, entrepreneurs because what worked in 2003 isn't going to work in 2007 and what to 2007 didn't work in 2011 i mean things change and the opportunities change i i don't i mean don't get me wrong i think that you could you could start a time tracking system or you could start a password manager or an invoice proposal system you could make cash like there's always there's always room for competition right but it's just why would you want to <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um, my thought on it is that it it kind of depends. I think it's a case. It goes on a case by case basis. I mean, you have certain categories where there's competition, but the competition kind of sucks. Yeah, or they have a lot of margin, uh, or hopefully they have a lot of margin and they suck. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, the problem is is that when it's in an area where there's a lot of competition, the alternatives, the competitors are pretty high quality. Um, maybe even have you know. A good amount of funding, or um, or sort of popular, uh, or you know, mindshare things like that. that. Those 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 would be hard to compete in, and it's it's like um, you 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 almost want to like I I think if you can think of something that's a little bit new, not so new that you have to educate everybody on why the hell they would even care about this concept, but but not so done that it's uh, you know you're just like oh yeah another blah 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 you know because it's just it's so hard to stand out from the crowd and there's and it's just um 
you know, you're not really introducing anything new, so it's hard to get that sort of purple cow yeah, uh, yeah. concept. No one's going to talk about it. Why am I going to yeah. talk about it? What's interesting about it? Actually, I had a, I did have a couple of ideas, but they didn't fit that category. But it, um, the one checkbox they didn't tick was easy to build. Right. So I'll, I'll tell you this idea. Tell me what you think of this idea. Okay. Basically, you know, Balsam, you know how I love to mock up, like, and mock ups are very cool, right? Mm-hmm. One of the one of the things that we, I've done a few times is if I if I want to do mock ups with someone, I'd have to take the computer into the room with them. Right? Wouldn't it be cool if there was like a live mock up system? Right. Where we could just have like a shared online mock up board, and we could create website components on the fly. So if we were both there. You were in your house. I was in my house. And I could just like drag components onto the page. Boom, boom, so boom. So balsamic meets balsamic, Google Docs. Balsamic meets Google Docs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, see, I, the thing about the whole real-time collaboration stuff is I wonder how much of a big deal it is for most people. It seems like a lot of time you're doing work, you're kind of working on it independently and sharing it. I mean, I don't know. Do you find – are there usually multiple people working on mock-ups like that? Well – Whenever I'm working on mockups, I like I like to have someone's input. So what I'm doing is I'm always doing screenshots and sharing them, and then saying, "Well, you know, what do you think of this?" And but it's also good to be like on the phone and just brainstorming it, you know, like when we were building Anyfu. Yeah, I mean, you just screen you just screen share. Yeah, well, but yeah. Now, now that's true. Yeah, you just do <laughs> you just do screen share with Bill and everybody has Google Hangouts, which yeah. really well. Yeah, that's true. Know, or, that's that's hilarious. Yeah, Skype. That, you know, yeah, it's, it's pretty good point. it's pretty straightforward. So. I, I'm not sure that there's a ton of value there. You're going to say, oh, well, now you can, now you can real-time collaboration. It's like, I can already do that on this open source free screen sharing stuff or Google Docs That's true. or uh, Google Hangouts or Skype. So That's funny. Yeah. Anyway, and I can use Balsamic, which is like, you know, best of breed mock-up software. Well, I, I, it would actually be difficult to build because all those components, like they're all kind of live components. Like for, say, for example, if you drag an alert box onto the screen, mm-hmm. you can double click it and you can enter the button name, you know, what's on the buttons and you can right. enter what the title. That would be complicated to build an entire system like that. So right. anyway, it was just an idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, not your best. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but but hey, it's this way you come with good ideas, come with lots of ideas, right? And we talked about that. So yeah. you, you generate 20, 30 ideas, and uh, most of them will be crap, but there'll be a couple in there that'll be gold. Are you itching to talk about a story? Because you seem like... You know, actually, I, I was just thinking that was re- relevant to what you were talking about. Something you seem that preoccupied. I, 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 it, was a, it was an article that I found kind of annoying. So... There's an, it was in Wired. It was, it was entitled, these, these Silicon Valley Titans think you probably shouldn't start a company. And it was a talk, it was a panel discussion between um, Dustin Markovitz. He was a co- one of the co-founders of, of um, or not co-founder, he, he was one of the early people in at, at uh, Facebook. Oh, yeah. I think he was like one of the Harvard classmates of, mm-hmm. of uh, Zuckerberg. He's a co-founder of Asana. Uh, with, um, was it Justin Rosenstein, one of the other early guys uh, at Facebook? And there, and there was uh, Ben Horowitz, who we know from Har- Andreessen Horowitz and, and everything. And so, anyway, these guys had a couple of ridiculous things. They, basically, they were saying, you, you, let me see if I can get the actual quote here. Um, he said, you shouldn't want to start a company just for the sake of starting a company. You should want to start a company because you believe in an idea. Which... It's ridiculous, right? Because even even 
Ben Horowitz. I remember reading an article 10 years ago or something where it was Mark Andreessen and Horowitz and one or two other guys. And they were a lot of, they were like most, I think they were all or most of them were ex Netscape after mm-hmm. Netscape was, um, who, who bought Netscape? What happened to them? I can't remember. They were, uh, I can't remember like probably AOL or something. Something but anyway, like that. Yeah. yeah. And so, right. I think you're right about that. And they met like every day for like a month trying to come up with ideas for a company. Yeah. They're like, let's start a company together. What are we going to do? Um, and what was the company? Netscape? Uh, no, it was, the next company was LoudCloud. Okay. Which then became, I don't know, LiveOps. They ended up selling it for $500 million or whatever. I mean, that's where they made their big well, cash. Well, what about Central Desktop? I don't think that Central Desktop was born out of some kind of like massive idea that we have to move no, forward. No, well, tons of companies have been started because the, the founder or founders wanted to start their own company. Not because they have had a burning passion to solve one particular problem since the age of seven, you know, which is this ridiculous bullshit fiction or bullshit uh, idea. And it is completely um, hypocritical for for Ben Horowitz. I'm not sure if he said that or Markowitz said Markowitz said that or he just went along with it. But I'm like, dude, the way the reason you're rich is because you sat around with a few other sharp guys and say hey let's start a company let's think about ideas let's brainstorm yeah yeah and then he goes um and markovitz says um only if no one else has started to build that thing should someone head down the startup path what that should be almost the only way that entrepreneurs come into existence markovitz said and that's not what's happening what and the in the in the infamous words of ray barboni from the movie get shorty what a bunch of fucking bullshit wow i mean what is Asana? It's a yet another issue tracking, web-based issue tracking service. It's project management. It's a project it's management. It. I mean, there's a million of them. Well, I mean, it, it, that's, was exact, it that's on my list that I just said a minute ago, and we just said, you shouldn't do them anymore. And I said, well, it was okay. You should do it. And you said, oh, fair enough. Maybe you should do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not saying whether you should or should. I'm just said, I don't think, I think they're probably ideas that'd be easier to get traction, possibly stand out, make some money, just because it's too competitive in that space. It's... Uh, and, but, but even now, I mean, so Mark. But I, I guess Asana is a purple cow, though, in that space. They've kind of proven your point wrong. How are they a purple cow? Well, because at, when people talk about Asana, they often really like say, no, "Oh, no, wow, no. it's this amazing piece of software. You can do this. You could do this. You could do this," and that makes it a purple cow. No, no. Just because something good is good doesn't make it a purple cow. Oh, okay. First of all, the the primary re the first one I want to say is they started this like. Uh, Two years ago or something like yeah. that? 2011, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, web-based bug tracking systems have been around forever. I mean, yeah. Fogbugs oh, was old Mantis. School. Yeah, right. So, it's, it wasn't remotely new. It wasn't remotely clever. It wasn't remotely uh, unique. What they had going for them is, is, is internet fame. A, a couple of ex-Facebook guys start... Bug tracking company. Yeah. They do a nice job. It's a, you, you didn't like it, though. No, I didn't. We used it and you hated it. I thought it was okay. I thought it was pretty typical. I thought, ah, you, you know, this is the kind of thing you could build in a, you know, a basic version in a few, in a few uh, months. It wasn't anything amazing. It was just typical Ajax, drag and drop, whatever. And, you know, pretty nicely designed. And, uh, you know, but, but they're believing their own bullshit. Do you remember, do you remember that line from uh, Get Shorty? 
No. With um, John Travolta, remember he's Chili Palmer. He's the. Uh, uh, you're very good at remembering lines from movies, like putting up the the drywall. Of the okay, so here's the scene. So <laughs> so Ray Barboni is I think coming to L.A. from Miami, and he's trying to track down Chili Palmer. Okay, I can't remember if Chili Palmer owes him money or or is something owes him something. So he's coming after um, Chili, and he's in the limo. The guy's driving it from the airport, yeah. and the driver goes. Was was talking something about the uh, the the sunset, and he says, "You know, he's like the reason they say we have it, it's the pollution is the reason they say we have such beautiful sunsets in L.A." <laughs> and Ray, Ray Barboni kind of repeats it, and is like, yeah, "What a bunch of fucking bullshit!" <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I that's what I my reaction while reading these guys, reading what these guys are saying, and it's it's because they forget how they got there. And they get up on this panel and they really start believing their own bullshit. They're like, there's not enough people around them saying, you're, you're wrong. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. I could pick up a million counterexamples to everything you're saying. It's like, yeah, so you got, you got lucky. It's like Markowitz got lucky. He, he happened to get in Facebook, or Facebook early. He wrote some software. It blew up into sixty billion. So now he's worth hundreds of millions or a billion dollars, whatever. So now everybody's hanging on his words like he's an oracle, and he's not. Mm-hmm. He's just a twenty-something-year-old guy who happened to write some software and, and right away. Well, um, didn't um, our friend who did CD Baby, what's his name again? Remember Derek Sivers? Yeah, didn't Derek Sivers say? I remember when we were speaking to him, he said that was something that he found remarkable, like. No one listened to him whatsoever, and then he sold a company for eighteen million. Now everyone's listening to him, but he's just the same person. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, and and and, and uh, you know, I just find it, I find it unbelievable. I mean, do you think people are going to listen to me now? I've sold a company for eighty-five thousand. They shouldn't. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think anyone should listen to anybody. I'm like, don't, I was actually, that's what I was telling Sandy last night because I was ranting about this to her last night. I said, you know, don't listen to anybody because nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. Nobody right. knows anything. Yeah. And everybody just goes spouting off about all this stuff. And they have these, everybody has these ridiculously small sample spaces with incredibly biased perspectives on things. And often they're talking from a self serving perspective. I mean, Horowitz and Markowitz, what they want to do is they want to hire people for their companies. And they and they make this they made this point, like, yeah, well, we can't hire people if everybody's out starting their own company. That's exactly I'm sorry, but that's exactly the point that I made with Entreporn. Like it, it literally say my the you know, my post Entreporn. Yes. Mm-hmm. The main point I make is exactly these guys do not want you to start your own business because they want you working for them. Mm-hmm. They're literally saying that exactly what I said. And because oh, and Markowitz goes, he goes, you know, the um, he's like, yeah, you know, the the hundredth employee at Facebook is going to make more than ninety nine percent of the entrepreneurs out there. I'm like, yeah, Facebook was an anomaly. Facebook was is a super outlier. And there's a couple of incredible outliers, but the vast majority of people who go who become wealthy, you know, how they become wealthy, starting their own companies. Did you see um? Paul Graham's post about uh, talking to investors, like what you should do to pitch investors. Yeah. Um, what, what did you think of it? He's, he's right, pretty much right. You know, I mean, I, Paul Graham is, Paul Graham is as close to a, uh, the Oracle Delphi oh, as we a, have. I had a point to make about it, but it, it slips my mind. Yeah, you need more coffee, huh? Yeah, sorry. What was the last thing you were saying just before that? 
<laughs> That's like a famous line from a fish called Wanda. <laughs> what was the thing you said before the last thing you said? Or he does that like, ever, like, repeatedly. Ever. <laughs> but what was it? What was it? Uh, see, now I'm... I'm you, you, oh, no. Oh, crap. I mean, j- just saying that the, the way you become wealthy is 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 through equities by owning something i mean remember what was it a couple days ago you, we were we were we 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 found out we we're having a lunch that we had both stumbled across a site called celebrity net worth <laughs> and i was looking up the net worth of like some of the famous entrepreneurs like um evan williams and peter thiel and um uh Celebrity. Elon Musk, and you were looking at like famous musicians, and I mean, and, it blew uh, my mind, like because because I was expecting. Okay, so I'll tell you what I was expecting. So I looked up um, Judy Dench. Now you you, yes. got, you should have heard of yes. Judy Dench. She's a very she's famous, the, like, she's okay, the grand dame of right. Okay, what, what do they call her? There's a name for they have a nickname for. Her. She's a she's a dame. Yeah, but there was I don't know. Okay, anyway, Judy Dench. She's worth about I think it was like eight million dollars. That's what she's worth. Or maybe ten million or something like that. That makes sense to me. That's you know, a little low, that, that makes sense. Like an actor should be worth. And and interestingly, all the English actors are, are like around about that much, right? Mm-hmm. But then the American actors. You take someone like John Malkovich, who, to my way of thinking, is basically the exact equivalent of Judy Dench, but American. So anyway, not not somebody who's who's going to be the lead actor in a in a in a major motion picture. Yeah, action. A big budget action feature. There's exactly. somebody who is a super high quality actor that's yeah. going to play character yeah. role. Does a lot of character roles like that kind of yeah. stuff. Anyway, so I didn't know that I was going to embark on this, like checking out all these different people's net worth. But it was when I stumbled across John Malkovich that I was like, no way. Anyway, 75 million for John Malkovich. And I was like, this must be a blip. Like this must be a blip. Like I need, and that's why I started looking at lots of other different people to see, you know, to kind of do the comparison. And uh, no, no, like most actors, you know, of John Malkovich level, it, that's where it starts, you know, and then it's between there and 250 million kind of thing. Well, you're you're talking about the the, the stars. Yeah. You're talking about the star um, uh, uh, mainstream action, you know, like the Brad Pitts and uh, um, was it uh, Tom Cruise type of actors, right? You're yeah. not talking about the character actors as much. Right. Yeah. Well, so what's interesting is you kept asking me what I thought through a word, yeah. and I was like nailing them. I was at like five or ten or or twenty yeah. percent of the numbers, and you were shocked. But it it was also and interesting then, that I like ha- I basically had remembered about fifty of them <laughs> during the conversation. Yeah. And yeah. I was saying, so I was like, what do you think? What do you think Tom Cruise is worth? And you were like, two hundred twenty-five million. I'm like, wow, two hundred fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Bang! I think it'd be a great game. Yeah. Well, so the the the. the uh, the reason that I was how I was doing my calculations were, were that was the, the was this way. So, um, it it had to do, of course, if they were a famous actor or not famous. If famous actors or people are going to make a lot of mo- a lot more money per film. How long they've been in the business, right? Are they young? Are they just done two or three films? Are they ten or fifteen? Yeah, right. But the other thing was, like you were talking about, like Jay Z. Like Jay Z was, I, I think, I guess, like nine hundred million or something. No, he was five hundred million. million. But so it's like, like do they have headphones in the marketplace? Do they have their own like they have sound their own brands? Have they created yeah. their own empires? Jay Z has created his own empire. Yeah. Right. Um. And and the, so the ones who are super wealthy are the ones who have ownership in companies that they don't work for money so much. Yeah. Is they own companies. That make them. But it was that's, that's what that's what that's when people became worth hundreds of millions and billions as opposed to worth 20, 30, 40 million. But like Michael Jackson, for example, was very low down on the ladder 
like at, at about 200 million compared to i mean what you know what we would think of mike we would think oh michael jackson like he is he must be like one of the richest in the business mm-hmm. but in, but because of this whole i guess clever investment and all and brand building yeah, yeah. well i think i think well michael jackson was kind of a, a obviously he's kind of mentally how much do you think david beckham's yeah. worth beckham 150 million 500 million Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, may, it may it may have been three. I th- no, I think it was five hundred million. I think it was a, a lot. May have been six hundred million. It really? was huge. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, w- I would assume that he'd be worth it. You better better check that. So, I mean, I I would guess yeah, it was something in the you know a couple hundred million range. The reason I would say that is he's you know he's 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 kind of a brand right for himself. I don't think he owns stakes in any major companies. Like three hundred million. Okay, so that was yeah. not bad. Only have five factor of two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not like there's the uh, a huge number. Of, it's not like there's a Beckham empire. He 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 serves as a spokesman or as an and he does a lot of advertisements for different brands. And he he's getting paid a ton of money from all of these uh, teams he's played for. But anyway, so the, the the bottom line is though the people who make a lot of money who make huge amounts of money it's because they own stakes in companies and 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 big companies that take off. But they all just make way more money than I expected. I just didn't think that actors were that rich. Well, you know, um, I was look I was looking this up the other day. You know, you can double check my numbers, but you know what it takes to become part of the top one percent in the U.S. What does it take? It's there was two numbers that I saw. One was eight point, I mean six point four million, and one was eight point three million. So it's like the six six and a half to eight million range. To be but to, 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 to of be net top, worth, just of to net be worth. the top one percent. Just to figure out a hundred people walking around at random, just to be the top one of those hundred, you have to make be worth around say seven million dollars. Wow! Right? So you're which looking is, at these actors. A lot. So some of these actors are barely in the just top one percent. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So if you took, if you just took, a, I mean, there's there's like close to two hundred thousand people in Pasadena. Yeah. Right. So if you took um, what's a one in a hundred, um, so if you if you if you took Two thousand people. There are two. So if you if you there are two thousand people who are above, who are in who are probably in the top one percent just in Pasadena. Yeah. You know nothing special about that in terms of like you know just quantitatively the numbers. But interestingly, like Daniel Day Lewis, who's like the greatest actor of our time, net worth forty million. Yeah, well, because he's <laughs> he's not a brand. There's not he doesn't have the the Daniel Day Lewis empire. He's a character actor. He probably he does he does films based on quality and things that he's interested in doing, as opposed to like maximizing his wealth. So George Lucas, who is basically the richest celebrity, his net worth is seven point one billion. And why is that? I guess he owns his own company that did Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars he made merchandising, a- man. He, yeah. he 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 he. Remember when the when Star Wars, the original Star Wars, was was late and over budget, and and the studio was freaking out. He basically waived his uh, director fees, and he said, "But just I want the rights to the advertising." And they're like, <laughs> "At that time, who cares? Fine." So they gave him the rights to the. I mean, or the rights to yeah, the merchandising. merchandise and. Of course, that's how he made just obscene amounts of money. Yeah, because I remember Carrie Fisher, she did like a stand-up show talking about her her life. And one of the points she was talking about was it was really strange to look in the mirror and think that George Lucas owned her likeness, you know, mm-hmm. like basically it, with the con- in, within the context of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. So Sorry, Star Wars. So yeah. uh, well, anyway, let's, let's move on to the, the next 
Subject. Okay, I've got another one for you. All right. Um, Xerox scanner, Xerox photocopiers randomly alter numbers scanning documents. Did you see that one? Yeah, I read that a week or two ago. I mean, it wasn't something like the they're using some weird compression algorithm that is a bug. I mean, can you imagine that as a that? Actually, that reminds me. I want to talk to you about that bug that I uncovered in in Laravel. We'll talk about that afterwards. Okay, but or maybe we should talk about that first. No, let's go into this. But this bug is just unbelievable. I mean, okay, go on. Talk. You're copying. You you photocopy documents. Any documents that has like a table of numbers or numbers that that basically are similar in separate parts of the documents such as drawing plans you know drawing as in drawing drawing like okay. architectural plans okay it swaps the numbers around yeah <laughs> what yeah. kind of a bug is that well it's funny it was it's literally uh, switches the numbers well, it was up. really funny i was reading the the, the comments at hacker news because there's a lot of people on there who are sort of experts in compression algorithms yeah. and stuff and they were just like what kind of an idiot will use this compression algorithm for document scanning and transmission because I mean, I guess if, you know, to experts in that field, that is not the right kind of algorithm. That's like a, a that's, it's like a, it's like a, it's not a lossless compression algorithm or something. Right. I mean, I, I I don't know anything about compression algorithms, so I, I don't, I, I probably cannot really but, I mean, accurately paraphrase the, 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 the argument, but, but the, the, sim, on the very, it's very simplest level. It's that it was just, they, it was, not, it was a, it was an incorrect application of an algorithm. But consider this. These photocopiers have been in the marketplace for years, like three to five years. Millions of documents have been photocopied. I mean, and they change, they randomly change numbers in the copies. Like how much death and destruction can that cause? You think someone, you think, you think someone could have gone to jail for that? I mean, someone who in a court documents, which are going to be copies, a yeah. lot of them are going to be copies. And they're going to bring it out and say, here's a copy of the est- of the invoice that you sent to so-and-so. And clearly that's an inaccurate reflection of the amount of work you did. That's uh, mail fraud. You're going to jail. You know, well, things like that. Or, or uh, the copy of the document was, he was 4.5 foot away from the, from the guy that he would kill. Oh, no, actually, it says 2.5 in the copy. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, oh, well, that matches the guns. But, so, uh, yeah, it must be him. He's, he's guilty. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what's kind of uh, numbers, swapping disconcerting numbers. Ab- uh, about... Our current reality—it's—it's—it's it's sort of an epistemological question. Is like, how do you know what you know? Right. Well, I know this because I read it in the n- newspaper. Or I saw this document. How do you know that's an accurate reflection of what actually happened? How do you know that it wasn't just? I mean, normally you'd say, well, people—people people lie, people make mistakes, people withhold information, um, people tell tell uh, stories with a, an agenda, and so they 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 switch around. You know how things should be portrayed. Um, but then you're actually even talking about the straight up algorithms are randomly manipulating. But I mean, Xerox is even like a noun. Na- I mean, it lit- it's a noun that means a mirror image. You know what I mean? Well, it's, it's a company whose name yeah, becomes an object. Yeah, that, but, but yeah. it's like I just can't believe that anyone could release a product that switched numbers <laughs> in such an important thing. Is that's wow? That was well, you know, and it's funny thing is like if you if if it's, it's like they say always say truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. If somebody wrote a book about this. And and one of the premise of how of how like it started a landslide, a sort of domino effect, and it all came down to this algorithm. Nobody would believe it, right? Like that is such a far fetched thing to happen. So what you're telling me is that these compression algorithms are creating errors, and people wouldn't have found that out like within a month that they were these photocopies were released. I mean, that would never ever happen. Like the movie, Inconven- but yet it did. An inconvenient truth could be based on bad photocopies. Like, you know what I mean? Like scientific data 
basically that says there was so much carbon in the atmosphere or whatever. The right. numbers Thanks. were switched up. Yeah, bad information. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, you have you have the like the Iraq War, which is based on cherry picking, torturing people until they told you what you wanted to hear, and then using cherry picked information. So we have bad actors or with with sort of nasty intentions and create false information, but then also people who ha- don't have bad intentions just literally have inaccurate information. There's so many ways to get inaccurate. But information. I don't even understand like what kind of algorithm works that way. Where so basically it was literally it was. Switching a number like, I don't know, 6.7 for another number, 17.4. And because the 17.4 was somewhere else on the on the sheet and the 6.7 was somewhere like, how does it even, how does that make sense for, from an algorithmical point of view? Did you read the whole article? Not, I mean, I read a lot of it, but. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like your own personal TLDR. You're like, you, read, you scan everything. You don't ever read anything. That's so funny. That's like. You know, even so, it's funny. You know, I used to, I always make fun of you for tweeting all these articles that you hadn't read, right? But the reality is, you don't even read the ones that you read. <laughs> so even if you read, it, it's like this is a really great article. I should read it. It's like you really only read the first paragraph. No, I I read or maybe I second. read quite a lot of this. <laughs> okay, so let me tell you about this other book. No, wait, wait, before we get that, why is it you don't read stuff thoroughly or to completion so much? Are you I just, just have a lot to do. Yeah, are you just impatient? Mm, I think so. Yeah, you have a short attention span. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yeah, I like I just that. have a lot to do. Touche. Um, let me tell you about this other bug that I uncovered. Okay. Okay, so this is another bug, and it's just like, sometimes I'm, t- I'm talking to Matt, you know, and did you do trying to explain, like, how software is this this thing where you, you just never know what's going to get you, like just some weird bug's going to come up. So anyway, um, teachers were inputting the content, and pages kept disappearing. And... Uh, uh, you know, they, they would write a lot of content, try and save it, it would blow up, and they would lose their document, and we would never know about it. Nothing was in the database, couldn't work out what the hell was going on. Yeah. Randomly, I discovered that anything with the word returning in the text basically crashed the system. With re- the word return, not returning. No, returning with an re- ING. Really? Returning? That's even more bizarre, right? Returning. Wow. R-E-T-U-R-N-I-N-G. Returning. But return would work fine. Oh, return's fine, yeah. Not a problem. Wow, okay. So, and you had a, <laughs> you had a big argument with Udi, because Udi <laughs> could not believe it. Yeah, Udi he, refused to accept... Yeah, well, because, because then I've, I basically tracked down in the Laravel code that basically in the thing that prepared the query statement, it was doing a string position to see if the word returning was in the query, and if it was... Basically, it was considering it a Postgres uh, SQL word mm-hmm. because because returning is a word like a, an SQL keyword, Heat reserve word. Yeah, and it was like doing a different thing. It was kind of like treating the query in a different way, as if it was Postgres. Okay, and it was just crashing the system, and data was never getting into the into the system. So so the so the teachers were just writing lessons, and you know, if they if they happened to say, I don't know. Um, Charlie Chaplin was returning, you know, in 1952, when Charlie Chaplin was returning from England or whatever, not 1952, which just made up that, yeah, it, yeah. it would just, it, would, it wouldn't get saved. Their content would be lost. Yeah. You know, what a bizarre bug. I mean, just one is, word in the whole of the English language. Well, well yeah, that is incredibly <laughs> bizarre. But, you know, what's, but what's more interesting is Udi's reaction, which is reflective of how people react to things, to new information that conflicts with their worldview. 
Right. So Udi had a very reasonable worldview that that's ridiculous. That could never happen. Oh, he yeah, he totally wouldn't believe it. Absolutely, he would not, not accept it. it. Yeah, and because it was it was just it was just for him, it sounded like a ridiculous, stupid idea. And probably the vast majority of developers would would unless you gave them absolute um, irrefutable proof would look at you like that is absolutely not what's happening. That is such a stupid idea. <laughs> and so that's what happened. Eventually, then you showed him, and then he was like, oh. <laughs> like what happened? Like, I, no, I just said, yeah, just just showed him, and I said, look, do this and do this, and you can. And he said, yeah, that does, that that is a, that it that's really true. He <laughs> said, he, he, I think he said something like that is fucking crazy, unfucking believable. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's what. And I said, why would you give me such a hard time? He said, I d- I didn't believe it. <laughs> that's why I think it's so hard to. I think it's why it's so important not to hold on to your worldviews so strongly and look at evidence. And but then, of course, as we talked about, you got to make sure the evidence is actually reflect. Actually, it is the evidence. It's not a photocopy error of the evidence. But if you do get absolute proof that something is true or not true, you have to. If you're rational, you have to adjust your worldview. But the, most people have an extremely hard time adjusting their worldview to anything, whether it's politics or religion or their views on society, culture. I mean, those things people hold on to to dear life. And uh, and they just sort of, you know, there's tons of studies how people just won't take in new information that conflicts with their worldview because yeah. it creates what's called, what's known as cognitive dissonance, which is this sort of just really frustrating situation where you have two opposing ideas in your head. You can't hold on to both at the same time. Yeah. But it was also like, amazingly random that i even discovered that they how did you uh well the thing is that you, you know how you've got nginx and then it runs through p is it pfm or so i can't remember what it is so basically nginx then talks to this other service that's running php that doesn't log on ubuntu 12.04 it doesn't log real crashes so there's no real log okay so the only way was i i had run a sync i was running a synchronization script where i was syncing rows of data from one to, because the other thing to point out here is it only happens on an insert, not an update. <laughs> so, so basically, if 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 the query contains a sentence with the word returning on an insert, it crashes. Right. But if it contains the word returning on an update, not a problem. That's fine. Right. So what what happened was um, a teacher may create a document and they start typing about one thing. That's an insert. And then at a later stage, they type the word returning. That's, right. that's an update. No problem. So now it's got the word returning in. Right. So we had a sync script that was basically syncing from one table to another, but it was doing an insert. Oh, wow. Right. So it was during the sync process that I noticed that something was crashing. I was like, what the hell's crashing? So I had this big wall of text. So I was like, okay, there must be some random character in here. You know the way it usually is. It's yeah, like some, some unprintable, control, character. unprintable control character. So I basically broke down the whole thing. I like, you know, did the bubble sort, like half of the text. Oh, that's a bubble sort. That's a binary search. Binary search, yeah. So I did half the text, then other half of text and kind of broke it down and then i was just like <laughs> i was at the point where there was like this, this this sentence like charlie chaplin returning from london i'm like i've copied paste this into like my text editor is there any weird characters no so i broke it down and it just ended up with returning <laughs> i'm like returning <laughs> so then i so then i like chopped off the ing and it worked like not a problem put i back nope worked n back worked g back crashed i'm like what the hell? <laughs> so then I just said, uh, I said, that can't be possible. So then I just did a global search for, re- for returning within Laravel and saw this thing in the query. <laughs> well, I have to give you a, a big gold star for that, that bug sleuthing because that's impressive. Well, you know, I think 
I think that's actually one one of your strengths is is the <laughs> fact that you sort of you're what what I might call like in in statistics what we know as an unbiased estimator. <laughs> like you don't have any worldviews about code and how things work, partially because you're kind of like you're a try, just try random crap. Right, right. You're a I I will just try everything until something works. <laughs> <laughs> Which you've told me, you've talked about a number of times. Like, you'll just keep trying crap. So, like, where other people come and say, well, I know it has to work this way. And if it doesn't work, I don't understand what's going on. Right. Well, you'll just like, well, I'm just going to start changing around random words and characters and, <laughs> and until you get something to work. And you did that with some Ajax, real um, uh, long polling stuff, right? And, 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 and IE. Remember you talking about that? Oh, yeah, yeah, the IE thing, yeah. You spent, like, an entire day just, just, tr- just hacking on something, trying to get this bug a hack around this book, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was Talk basically. About that for a second. Well, that was um, with IE it, in cross domain. There's no there's no cookies and no post for whatever reason. Just doesn't yeah. work in IE. So I just spoofed it through um, just writing JSON and just sending it to the server. But how did you find it? But you but you were like trying. You were just trying. Tons yeah, of yeah, variations. trying lots of yeah. Yeah. So like that's where I think your strength is is <laughs> that you you don't have these these tightly held beliefs about about the underlying technology and because you I, I, you've talked about this a few times about how you don't have like a formal education in computer science right that i that you there's a certain level of like distrust in your own understanding of things and but as a result of that you're not constrained by those right beliefs and so you'll just try random crap yeah where some people say well i'm not going to try it. it doesn't make sense to do that why would i ever do that because that doesn't make any sense you're like i don't i don't I, you don't think that way and that's why it's good sometimes when they talk about t- the, all the teams is that you just don't get like we got the five smartest PhDs working on this sometimes you're throwing some random people who have these really bizarre way of looking at things because <laughs> <laughs> they're going to find holes or different ways well, into there, I remember there was um, there was one thing that I was working on we were making like a virtual whiteboard or something a yeah. shared whiteboard this was last last year and there was a thing that just wasn't working and I just tried basically putting the same command twice just to see what happened. You know, uh-huh. what happens if I initialize this twice or whatever? And it made it work. And so, but so the guys, uh, the, 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 one of the partners, the people I was working with on this, he was just like, why would you even try that? Like, that just doesn't <laughs> even make sense. Like, how could you find a solution to the bug by just, ha- you know, and it's just such a random bug, but actually the reason it, the reason why I did it is because I know that in JavaScript, there's this whole set timeout issue. There's like a whole race condition thing and mm. whatever. So I think that, do you remember that weird MySQL bug no. with Plugio? Well, I remember a lot of So basically, bugs, so. so with Plugio, there was one time when the, the system was only working because the database was slow. Remember? And then I, up, I upgraded the yeah. database. Yeah, <laughs> you made the database fast. I upgraded the database and the whole the Plugio broke. Yeah. And it, it was because there was like this kind of, this slowness, which was fixing some weird race conditions back at the database level, uh, or kind of, I kind of hid them, or just made <laughs> yeah. it for the fact that yeah. that's interesting. Well, yeah, I just it's 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 like um, you know a lot of these are, uh, machine learning algorithms is when they get stuck, they just you throw in random. It's okay, just try a random action yeah. because we don't know what to do. We don't have any better information. Just try random stuff until something happens. So kind of you kind of jiggle your way out of the local maximum. So like it's like a genetic algorithm. You have a bunch of algorithms, and and they and they've they've maximized where they are locally. Uh, but like, and so what you'll do is you'll just do random mutations, which then um, throw puts the puts the, the search into a whole new part of the sort of uh, the search space, right? And that's kind of what you do. It's like I'm just going to randomly do this. Do you want to tell the other Rudy story? What's the other Rudy story about the um, 
I Woody, hope, we love you, by the way. Yeah, I hope we he doesn't get you. mad at me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you're making the show better, so this is just uh, you're. Or are we sacrificing Udi for for uh, about uh, about Git? Do you remember about uh, the different branches in Git? Okay, master branch the, versus staging branch. So basically, um, we have a we have a staging environment, we have a live environment, and when stuff is checked in to the to checked in it, to the master branch, it gets also deployed to staging. Okay. And then we push it to live. Well, so apparently what other people do, anyway, what Udi had suggested was, why don't we just have like a staging branch, which is auto-checked, and then auto-push to staging so we can do weird stuff. And when when we want to do a deploy to live, it's not in that branch, right? right? So I said, well, the problem with that is, is that then it's a merge. You're, You're doing a merge, and then you're instantly pushing to live with untested code. We would have to add, in my opinion, we would have to add a third, a, th- a third kind of stream. So we'd have a development stream that was like this development branch, and then you would merge that into the production branch, which then goes. Does that make yes, sense? Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he was he was saying he, he was saying, look, it's impossible that anything could go wrong, you know, it, with with the merge to production, because no one would, as long as no one ever checked into the production branch, other than these merges, nothing could ever go wrong. So I said, okay, fair enough. You know, if you feel that strongly about it, that's, that's, that's fine by me. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> but I've only got one condition. Like, if any error ever happens by using that process, we're going to dock $5,000 from your pay. so i got he got i got an email back from him he's like what the hell okay let's do it your way (laughs) yeah yeah so so that's known as that's interesting so it's it's funny you bring that up because Nassim taylor the author of fooled by randomness and black swan um he he authored a paper um actually i haven't got a chance to get around to reading i just read the like the intro, but it's it's entitled something like skin in the game, the importance for skin in the game. So if, if actors in a situation don't have skin in the game, they will usually optimize for upside, but then but because they don't have any downside, they they uh, don't um, weight the risks very heavily. Right, right. right. So, and that's how you can, and that's how you can have lots of problems. You saw in the banking industry with how all of these bankers and stuff say, oh, you know, we can make all these big bets. Heads, I win hundred million dollars. Tails. I keep my job and keep going on the next round, right? right, you know? right. It's not like they lose $100 million or whatever. And so when you have situations where, um, you know, where all these CEOs and stuff have bonuses based on company growth and, that, that, you know, with the board thinking that's going to incentivize them to, to maximize growth, the, the, there's, no, there's no clause that claws back their earnings if they lose a bunch of money for the game. Yeah, yeah, there should be. Yeah, and so it's, this skin in the game concept is a really big deal for economics, whether it's down at the micro level or at the, at the, at the, at the much larger level. And... And, and it's right. Like, you know, I remember with um, with Uber, there's a lot of situations where um, where I'd be talking to Curtis when we were first working on the very the initial version of Uber and the dispatching system and everything like that. And I wasn't going to be the one staying up at night because I was actually going to be in Europe when this thing was deployed. The first version of the dispatch system was the first no JS version of the dispatch system we rolled out. And uh, um, Curtis was going to be staying up all night. <laughs> so he was like pushing, he kept pushing for things. I'd say, oh, we should do this. this. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, come on. I'm like, all right. So I would, I would, you know, if, if he'd always want to play it more conservatively. Yeah. Which, you know, was smarter because 
it was less important that the system be incredibly elegant or incredibly efficient. It was just needed to work. It was going to be plenty elegant, plenty efficient for our uses for at least the next year, 18 months. And so, but because he had skin in the game in that way, Mm -hmm. I didn't have, I wasn't going to pay a penalty if the thing broke at three in the morning. Right. Yeah. And, and the other thing I want to say is that it illustrates the thing with the, the bug, the merging bug. It illustrates an important Murphy's law, or it, which is that if anything can go wrong, it usually will. Well, and, exactly. at the, and at the worst possible time. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, because here's the thing. Like, if, you're, if, if you basically merge code into a new branch and then deploy it to production without testing, that just sounds that just sounds nuts to me. Oh I mean, this, that sounds like a, a mistake waiting to happen. Oh, all the mer- every time I merge code at Uber, it's just there's always merge conflicts and merge. Well, but but and- he's saying that there would never be a merge conflict because the production branch would never be checked into in any way other than this merge from staging. So the t- the two different branches. So people would only push into it um, at once. But I still I still wouldn't trust it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because like what, like you know, down the year you've got ten ten developers on the company in two years' time or whatever, and then they're they're all using this process. Like someone's gonna. Okay, so the the difference between you and Udi is that you've you've been burned many a number of times (laughs) by software not doing what it was supposed to do or should have done or whatever. No, he he's been burned. It just doesn't make the same difference to him. Oh, probably, probably doesn't. He doesn't have the same skin in the game naturally, right? And he's also, he has less years of, of pain. Right. You're like, I have seen crap break that shouldn't have. There was no reason for it to break because it wasn't tested one last time. And I'm going to be the one that is going to get the call in the middle of the night about everything's broken. Everybody's going to be mad at me. Well, actually, he's the one who gets the call. But anyway, so oh, he, he does, does, he he does have, now? Yeah. Well, I mean, th- th- there has definitely been times when I've, I've called him at, and it's like 4 a.m. his time. But because he keeps on breaking stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, no, he, if you're writing code, if you're writing code, yeah. you're breaking stuff. So, well, I guess we uh, we sacrifice Udi on the altar of texting for this. Uh, no, episode. but Udi, I mean, obviously, we love you, you brother. It's okay. It's all good. You you are you are an amazing developer, and I really do enjoy working with you. And apologies for, for if if you feel in any way bad by this. All right, you all work. right, all right. He gets it. He's yeah. fine. Okay. Udi's fine. Um, um, what do we got? So, let's see. So I've been. Um, so as I've mentioned on the last show, I've been uh, working on with Titanium lately. I, I want to talk to you about that. Okay. Offline. I really want to just like spend maybe half an hour with you getting started on a project. Oh, you, wanna, you want to... Um... I want to build something on Titanium. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. I can definitely help you get started. Um, and I want to use your, your method where you don't use that... The windowing crap. Where, yeah, you, you just use your own custom stuff. One window, and then you have your own... And you just use a bunch of different views. And that way, you control everything. You yeah. draw your own navigation or control bars. You draw your own That's tab want, bar. Yeah. You draw your own windows. Maintain complete control. Does it scroll nicely as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And you can push it to you can push it to Android? Yeah, okay. So here's the thing. I I have this project that I'm, I've been playing with. And I want, I want an iPhone and an Android yeah. version. Which, by the way, before I get started, is is kind of rare for a lot of companies. I was actually even listening to an interview. I think Cal- Jason Calacanis was interviewing uh, Phil Liblin Le- 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 or whatever it's the guy from the founder of Evernote. Yeah. Um, and they were talking about like, you know, do they have either iPhone and Android versions of their app, of their uh, Evernote app. And I think for a long time, 
I may have this slightly wrong, but the wrong time, they didn't even have an Android version. They just focused on getting the iPhone version right. Hmm. And they were talking about how a lot of these companies, they won't build an Android version for a, quite a while. Yeah, yeah. They'll just focus on one. And because it's there's so much pain involved with building an app, even for just one platform, to, but, but to build for two... And they're, and they're so divergent. And then you and usually have to have completely different developers because you have completely different skill sets. I mean, Android is, is Java and, um, and using the Android SDK, whereas iPhone is Objective-C and Cocoa. And yeah, I mean, not that there aren't people who well, write But Titanium fixes that problem, doesn't it? Yes, Titanium fixes that problem. Oh, it really does. It really does. I mean, I think it fixes it to the 95th so what? So t- tell us about. So you made an app and you've deployed it to Android and iPhone and it works well. Okay. So here's what I did yesterday. Yesterday I said because I, I kept thinking to myself, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna work at the. I wanted to get some of the iPhone version of the app just generally fleshed out, mm-hmm. right? Like get a concept of what the hell this thing is. Because unlike you, I don't do mockups. I kind of do mockups in real time. Yeah. I'm kind of building the screen. So you're the Paul, that's the Paul Graham approach, the hackers and painters concept. Really? What's yeah. that? What does he say? He, like, he just he just basically uh, talks about himself as a programmer who basically paints. Like that's he, that's why I wrote his book, Hackers and Painters. Uh-huh. It's just about the fact that he's kind of sketching the software out as he goes along. Yeah. Well, that's that's how I like to work. Yeah. Not that I don't see value in the mockups, and I mean, when you and I did mockups, they worked really well. But it's just not my yeah. habit. It's not my workflow. Yeah. <clears throat> Although what I did do is I drew them all on a piece of paper. So pen. that's that's mockups. I, I did my own mockups on a piece of paper. That is, I drew the screens. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty much it. That's mockups. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, and you know, I figured because I was thinking about should I download mock? I was like, ah, screw it. I'm just gonna get a yeah, piece of paper draw and draw it out. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, I, I do the same a lot of the time. And then my my youngest daughter Early came by and she drew her screen next to mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, now, it's like I think mockups like the, the mockup software is good if you have like lots to mock up. But I will most of the time just draw stuff on a whiteboard or oh really yeah yeah or especially when you share with people and especially so if you have a team of people who need to get input or approval buy-in from you mock-ups are great and or if you have a client right (laughs) well well, it's funny because i keep on getting these like matt will take a picture on his iphone Mm -hmm. of just something that he drew on a napkin yeah he's like i will you know let's get this in the product (laughs) so you can share with napkins as well just take a picture yeah, I, that's, I, I, that's, that's totally legitimate. I, I, a lot of times when I've talked to clients about stuff and they're like, you know, talking about the product, I'm like, well, look, I need to see what you're envisioning. You, yeah. need, you need to, you know, I need some mock-ups or, to, you know, uh, mock-ups of this. And they're like, what's mock-ups? I'm like, look, if you want to use balsamic mock-ups, it's easy. I've had a number of non-technical people figure out how to use it in, in, in no time and get it up in within an hour or two. I said, but also feel free to draw it. On pen and pencil and piece of paper, take a fo- take a <laughs> photograph and email it to me. Yeah, yeah. that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So anyway, I've been sort of sketching out the iPhone app, building it, getting it working, seeing it, kind of like experiment. Can I get this thing to do what I want it to do? Yeah. And as it was coming together, you know, because you have a list of checkboxes, like okay, this like I have like ten things I'm not sure how to do, and I'm not sure if it's going to look good or if it'll work. You know, like, yep, 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 work, 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 cool. And then I'm like, then I'm like realizing, oh, there's this huge empty black box known as Android. Android. And it's like, I've, I don't have an Android phone. <coughs> I don't. You have a tablet though. Sandy has an Android tablet. And Sandy has an Android phone. She has the yeah. Samsung S4, which is relatively, that's new. Got that's Christmas. It's really nice and new. And she has the, um, the Samsung Galaxy tablet. Yeah. So I'm iPhone, I'm I'm Apple, and she's not. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, she continually makes fun of me at my little screen. Oh right. She's always say I have screen envy. She's like, oh, how do you see anything in that little screen? You know, you like. I do like those those um, Samsung big screens. Oh my god! Yeah. I was holding it next to my iPhone. I couldn't believe how much bigger it was. Yeah. Like this is it's lighter and bigger. I'm like, this is really nice. Um, I think. Uh, 
I think it would be better if iPhone made their screens a little larger. They do, yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, so I, I finally yesterday I said, all right, screw it. I am going to install the Android SDK and figure out how to run the Android emulator from within the titanium IDE and how to deploy it onto an Android phone. Because all those are like big... Like a big, it was like a big black box that was in the room that was empty. Much easier than iOS, isn't it? What do you mean? Like, just you don't need to do any of the code signing stuff or anything like that. You just basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's 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 deploying to the there's deploying to a phone developer debug mode or developer, yeah. and then there's putting it to the Google Play Store. I haven't done the deploy into a yeah. store. I just mean getting it, even getting it onto the phone is easier on Android because. Yeah, well, because the iPhone, iTunes, you have to have a developer account. You have to have a developer account. You've got to install a provisioning profile. You've got to make sure that the provisioning profile is hooked up with the app that you're deploying. It's got to match the bundle name. It's got blah, 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 blah. Whereas with Android, you just basically plug plug it in. And, well, this is how it should work. You plug it in and you run. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the thing That may that, not have been your experience. Okay, the things that were complicated. First of all, when you go on Titanium... And you go search for titanium install Android SDK. You know, there's there's lots of old tutorials because the yeah. ID and stuff has moved forward so much. A lot of from like 2010, 2011. Yeah, yeah. And they're not quite accurate anymore. Or they just have it for Windows or whatever and it's slightly different. But installing the SDK was a pain in the arse because the... Um, you know, there's a lot of dependencies between things. Like we have to install this, and every one you have to go through those check boxes and uh, and go, yes, I want all these things, and say, well, these things require these other things. So you have to install the other things. It can't just list like, oh, these are prerequisites. I'm installing them together, and I'm going to install them in the right order. So you have to keep going through. So it took me hours of kind of clicking on stuff. And okay, that's I was doing the Justin Vincent approach. Like <laughs> I'm just going to click on stuff incrementally until I get everything I need. Why do you say arse rather than ass? That's just joking. That's the English way of saying. Okay, ass, fair right? enough. You know, yeah, go on. Um, it's slightly less <laughs> offensive in the U.S. and it's maybe even a little funnier. All right. <laughs> okay. So basically, setting up the environment was very painful. It was a little painful. Now I can help you. What I would That'd suggest is you and I just sit down and I will walk you through getting all this set up because I will save you um, a day or two. Well, I you know if I get you up to speed on just and how to build this stuff, I'll I'd love save to you just build weeks. it and test it on both platforms as I go along. Yeah. Well, what I, what I could do is I'll let's like we'll go through we'll build the, your your hello world we'll have it in deployment <coughs> mode and then I'll I'll show you how to create you know using the view based approach or how I did like tabs and menus and things and all all that kind of stuff and I can kind of point you in the right direction and show you how to do it and then of course you can do it however you want it for that but um, yeah I can save you a lot of time that would be Weeks good of time that'd be very nice so anyway once I had the SDK installed then it was like okay well how to get this onto an Android phone. There's okay. no iTunes. There's no like deploy. You know, like I like how do you do? It? So what you had to do, it, or is it, is it in is it Eclipse? No, you don't have to use Eclipse. So you just connect your S, S, USB connector from your computer to the phone, right? Yeah. But it won't deploy unless the phone is in debug mode. Yeah, you have to go mode. into settings and change the phone to. Which yeah. is different in every phone. They're right. not all the same. Right, right. And like this, you had to go to developer about and then hit like build number and then tap it like three times. Yeah, it's, it what? is bizarre. It's very bizarre. It was like bizarre. going down. It was like getting to one of these secret clubs, like do the secret <laughs> knock at the basement door and some guy lets you Yeah, in it's every version of Android has a weird different way of doing that. So yeah. you'll, look at, you'll look up like how to get, you know, insert name of phone, yeah. name and model of phone 
into <laughs> debug mode. And then look, hopefully there'll be some guy like I found who wrote a blog post who said, look, here's how you do it. Yeah. And it, it was like nine steps. <laughs> I go here. And so once you do that, then you get it in. Now the, the thing was that once I got that working, once I had, I had that in develop mode and I had run on device from the titanium. So you could either say run an emulator or run and install on device. Yeah. It worked. Like Xcode, well. like, yeah. Except one one thing I did is I noticed that that you know when you're you're debugging your um your your app in the iPhone simulator and you could type on your keyboard to get input. You don't have to. I mean, there actually is no keyboard. I guess you could. No, you can't type on the. Uh, does the keyboard come up and you can click on? Yeah, it? Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's right. Because I, I always use my keyboard. Yeah. Okay. Well, it didn't work on the Android emulator, right. and I kept like typing keyboard and I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, oh. And so then I look up, and you, so you have to, in order to make that happen, you have to go into the Android SDK, SDK Manager, click on Tools, go to your Android device, virtual device. Your but ABD. where's the Android SDK Manager if you're not using Eclipse? You just uh, download the, your, your Android SDK. It's a folder. Just zip, download zip, hmm. unload it, uh, unzip it, drag the folder over to your... Yeah. Home directory, rename it Android-SDK, go into subdirectory tools, Android. I guess they must click have... click on re- that, and then it brings up the it brings up like a, a dialog box. They must have really integrated Eclipse then, because Eclipse, when, when I do Android dev via Eclipse, it's very kind of integrated, and you do it through Eclipse menus, and that probably opens that dialog or something like that. Yeah, so whatever. I think it's been, um, I think it's been pulled out. I think okay. it's separated. Um, so anyway, I got all that working, but then when I got... You, if you go and you add a keyboard device to the to the virtual the Android virtual device, and then I had all another two hours of problems. It didn't work, and then then it wouldn't even run. It wouldn't run. The emulator wouldn't run. And finally, I like the, your version. I just like was changing some numbers around, and finally got it to work again. And it was like what a nightmare. Well, I I found that I can't use the Android emulator. It's too slow. Like I I have to test it on a real device. Yeah, you know they were talking about it. it wasn't too slow on mine really. I mean it was a little slow. Did you um, get it on the device? Did you try it on the device? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And does it does it work? I mean, yeah. So everything that you'd written works, even you're using this custom view approach. Yeah. And it's oh, okay, okay. I just I didn't move the whole app. I just moved a a, a simple one one page kind of a hello world. I put a couple oh, text boxes. Okay, so you haven't label. tried the whole app yet. But it's all this pretty much the same thing. There might be some controls that That's don't work the same. That's what I want to find whatever. out. Yeah. But um, what I did notice is that the pixels are completely different because the resolutions, not only the resolution, but the, the dots per inch, the pixel density yeah. are different. So you have to account for those. So what you have to do is rather than saying, you know, like when you're left top width and height, that kind of stuff, and a lot of just putting those in numbers like left 50, top 100, you have to do in quotes, left, you know, 50 DPI. And the Android will, will, will then interpret that as, you know, and, and do it right based on its resolution. And stop uh-huh. and its dots per its pixel density. The iPhone will then just basically strip it off and just assume it's like fifty, you know, pixels. Interesting. So, and- but there's a whole <laughs> there's a whole uh, long document about how to deal with that the right way because you have such a, a range of screen sizes. And screen I can imagine that you you should probably for any comp- anything that you do, you should make a like you should make make the thing about three times bigger or two times bigger or whatever so that it always works on the HD screen. So if you're doing a settings thing about this size, do the picture this size, but shrink it down. Well, Can what do they that? do is they have uh, in their images folder, they have like nine different subfolders 
with the, the combinations of whether it's landscape or portrait and whether it's low, medium, or high pixel density. So you've got to make all those different images? Yeah. Isn't there a way that you could just make like one large image? and then Well, there's one they say with a medium one you can just kind of use as a fallback if it doesn't fit. <laughs> I mean, I just read like um, part of the document yesterday because I didn't have the attention span to read through 10 pages of it. But that's that's I got through what I needed and I was, okay, I'm going to have to, when I start making images, I'm going to have to do this. It's funny because I'm just migrating the exact other way around. So everything we've built is for Android and we're supplying the tablets and Android. But now we're also opening up to schools that already have ipads so yeah. i'm basically making our app work for ipads going the other way this around is funny. yeah it's funny. Passing each but other. it's been pretty easy because the whole thing's html5 you know so well, that's yeah that should be easy writing native it's it's a it's a even with titanium it's a little more work but i think a lot of it is i i, I think it's it gets abstract like 90 95 percent of of the difficulty away i mean there'll be certain controls that like well this only works in android or these properties or these methods only apply to this version of Android or this iPhone. So as long as you're, there's going to be a little bit of, of, of code forking. Yeah. And there's also going to be a little bit of um, v- sort of uh, UI forking because I was looking at, I've, I've been studying the differences between Android and iPhone on these different devices. Like what are the UI conventions? You know, it's like, you know, where should tabs be? What about menus? Like Android has these notch menus and they have flyout menus which they use, which you don't really see on, on iPhones. And so I was trying to look at some of the best design apps out there that had both an iPhone and Android, of which there isn't a lot. You'd, surprisingly, a lot of these productivity apps, they, they exist on one or the other. And, and trying to figure out, okay, so let's take a look at one and let's take a look at the other and go, how, what are they doing differently? Are they doing things the same or are they drawing them differently? Because it's like you can make them look almost the same, but people on the other device might go, ooh, this is like foreign. What are they yeah. doing here? But I looked at the Uber app, and the Uber app's almost the same. Because because basically, they, that's exactly the same that I did with um, the thing for Uber Media, mm-hmm. uh, Spitzville. Basically, you just make up your own UI. Mm-hmm. You just make up your own UI concept that that's just going to work anywhere. Yeah. Um, actually, one thing, one real faceplant moment that happened with the um, iPhone m- moving from Android to iPad. So as, as users are browsing through content, I, I, I built an app, and I sent it, and the guys tested it in uh, Chicago. And they said, but there's only one problem. When we're browsing through content, there's no way to go back to the previous page. I'm like, what do you mean? And then I'm like, oh yeah, Android has an, a built-in back, back button. button. Yeah, it has a built-in back button, but with iOS, there's no back button. So I had to put a back button <laughs> in the app. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I've just that's been, one of those differences. So I've just been studying uh, um, you know, and comparing, contrasting apps, like how they do, you know, how do they do their settings or how do they do their navigation or how do they do um, all these different pieces of it to figure out like what, you know, what's going to be, how similar can I make them and what do I need to custom design for each platform so they, so they really shine on that specific platform. And, uh, you know, um, and, and, and then of course you have like different size screens, which also adds changes things a little bit well also if you're talking about ipad as well unless you're going to say you don't release an ipad version don't release a tablet version um yeah i'm not i'm not worrying about tablets right now i'm just thinking i just want a, a, like an iphone and an android version um but uh it's it's uh it's a it's a challenge but i um and i noticed too that um one thing well, the, the design that i really like is the new flat design yeah the concept and there are some amazing designers out there 
that I've seen some of their work and they've created these really slick, um, uh, flat, you know, flat concept designs. And they look, they're sort of platform agnostic. Mm-hmm. It's not like it looks like an Android or iPhone. It's like, it's more custom. Yeah, it looks like Windows 8. Yeah, a little bit. It's <laughs> just <laughs> <is> nice. <laughs> One ring to bind them all. So, but I, I was looking on the site Scoutsy. Have you heard of Scoutsy? No. Well, it's a list of designers and you can, they'll say, <clears throat> that they do the web or, or mobile web or do they do uh, Android, iPhone. And you can, you can kind of check like, this is what I'm looking for. And this is the price range. And then you can just, uh, you know, do a search and it'll list all the people. And, and then you can show some samples of their work and a lot of really good designers. And they didn't look like they were that expensive. Yeah. A lot of them were, some were more American and Canadian, some were overseas. But you don't need a designer for what you're doing. I, I think, I think a, um, a little bit of help with some of the topography and some of the color selection, just, just a few of the screens. Okay. Cause like, I'm pretty good. I can get pretty close, but I know if I had a, a, a designer to work with just a it would just add that extra level of, of slickness. Fair enough. But yeah, I mean, I you know I, I get what you're saying. So, but Ooh. I'm. Ha- but the thing I'll say is I'm having a lot of fun working with the into the mobile stuff. All right. So, uh, got any links for us? Got any links? Let me or see. Or stories here. or other interesting things? Yeah, I'm sure. Let me just take a look at my my notes here. Um, you know, interesting. So there, I saw this thing, this little uh, video news clip about how the apple board is concerned about the pace of innovation oh really yeah which is exactly what i believe we talked about i think i mentioned this i think i i i expressed this concern that i think that that i thought that after steve jobs passed away that they were going to coast on that for a few years Mm. coast on his vision uh, for a few years but then they're just going to run out of ideas and they're, they're just not going to come with that much innovative new stuff. Um, I mean, I don't but know. But that makes no sense. I mean, how can a company with like 10,000 people in it not have a person, you know, I mean, how can it not have great ideas driving it along? It just seems crazy to me. I don't, I don't know. I mean, One of those people must be a, an ideas person. There, there could be people with great ideas, but they don't have enough clout to make them happen, you know, or to push them through. I mean, part of what... Um, Part of what Steve Jobs had going for him, or some of the things, were, it wasn't just an, a great aesthetic sense. It wasn't just a sense of product, or a sense of focusing on their best products. But it was about how to create a market. It was about how to negotiate with other companies, whether it was AT and T or um, the music companies for iTunes or whatever. Like, how do we get good deals, and how do we get all the things that we want to make this thing a, re- a business reality, yeah. and a market success, and then to have a call to push those things through. Instead, you have all of these different people who are all pushing and pulling from different perspectives, and they all might be legitimate, but sometimes you just have somebody at the top said, "Nope, this is what we're doing." Did you see the post about um, uh, Amazon? Oh, wait, do you don't have any thoughts on that? Well, the, well, I, I, this is my thoughts. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. About Jeff Jeff Bezos um, and how he's paying. You know, he's playing a game of chess, but everyone thinks he's playing checkers. Yeah, mm-hmm. you saw that. I yeah. think that kind of goes into this because, like, Apple, you know, are very cash rich with this. What is it, fifty billion surplus or something like that? Mm-hmm. And Jeff and and Amazon don't have it in the slightest. Um. But which company would you think's innovating more? I mean, it, it's Amazon, right? Amazon are innovating in a you know like crazy with everything that they're doing. All this versus who? Apple. Apple, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Apple. Apple doesn't seem to. What have they done in the last two years? 
Nothing. No. Nothing. No, they ju- they, they've just basically done the Apple formula, which is release something that's not as good a spec as they could release so that they can then hold back the good spec one and release that in a few months for more money, and then that yeah, one becomes but it's cheaper. it's not innovative. It's just incremental. Yeah. Right? Faster processor, better screen, you know, whatever. Well, the, the, everyone's talking about the iWatch is going to be the next thing. Well, yeah, we'll see if that comes through or whatever. I mean, or the ITV. I mean, that's... But I don't know. I'm just... I, I, I think there's, there's very few um, sort of singular... Um, uh, uh, executives like Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or whatever who can just do things that other people can't do. They can just imagine things and make things happen that other people can't do. And all of these these sort of operational people or these accounting type people, the empty suits that go in and take these that take these positions, they just they don't do anything. They just can't. They don't have what it takes. And it's it's um I don't know. It's like you like you watch like sports and it's like well why. You know, there's a lot of good football players out there. Why Why are there only like a handful of quarterbacks that are awesome and everybody else just kind of can't really do anything? They get in there and they just flub around. And you think like, well, they're good athletes and they're tall and they're fast and they've been, you know, working with, you know, quarterbacking coaches for years and they played top college games, but they still they kind of suck in comparison. They just can't do it. And I don't know what it is. It's just the, the difference between the handful of people at the very pinnacle, at the very top of the game versus everybody else is just a uh, night and day. It's the dip. Yeah, the dip? Yeah. Is that, uh, that's a Derek Sivers. No, no, it's uh, the other guy, the purple cow guy. Oh, um, oh, Seth Godin? Yeah. The dip, you just have to push through the dip because if you push through the dip, then you become the better. The, the dip is basically just working 10 times harder than anyone else at this thing. That's what it is. Yeah, I don't think it's just that. I mean, I, I think, unfortunately, I know people don't like to hear that. They'd like to know that if they think if they work really hard that they can achieve anything they want. And I don't think that's really true. I think you can get to a very high level and probably, and it depends, but there's certain things where are so competitive that you not you have to only be blessed with certain types of very special natural gifts as well as have incredible work ethic over incredible long periods of time. You know? Agreed. It's usually a combination. It's like... You know, I know a lot of people who who played basketball day and night and everything, and they 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 could even make play college ball. You know, they were just weren't good enough to even play in college, much less play pro. You know, it's like they, it's not like LeBron James worked any harder than they did, but LeBron James is like six eight and and, and so basically, what, what we're saying is Apple is Steve Jobs. Apple was Steve Jobs. Yeah, I mean Apple jo- uh, Apple Apple has a lot of momentum and it has a huge cultish. Uh, following for its brand and has an incredibly large cash reserves, but over the next twenty years, it's just going to be a, a, a it's, it's just going to be a reversion to the mean. It's going to revert to an average company over time. Now, it may take a number of years to revert to that mean because they're so far above everybody else. They've been so far above for so for a significant period of time, you know. So, not like they revert to the mean. But my, I mean, is Microsoft the mean? I mean, I always think, yeah. I always Microsoft feel is. like Microsoft is undervalued, like because they have they have some amazing things like Connect, the Xbox 360. They have a lot of really interesting things like that. But people but still those aren't. But those aren't the things that make that make a huge amount of their revenue. Their most of their revenue is Office and Windows, and and uh, Windows 8 has been kind of a. I think it's been kind of a disaster. It's been, uh, it's when I've read stuff, it's like the. You mean the the tablet? 
the, the well, tablets. No, the new Windows less... 8 on people's machines, right? Oh, that, that hasn't gone down well. I mean, I know the tablets are doing really badly. Yeah, and the Windows 8 itself, I think, the t- is the surface, really bad, is it? and there, nobody cares for it. And in the days of Office and everybody working on a local machine, it's just they're, they're numbered. And the only reason that's sticking around is just um, it's like sunk cost bias. You know, so many companies and people have Windows machines and know how to use this stuff, but... You don't think there's any future eroding. in something like Connect? Well, I'm not saying there's not a future, but it's not. It's not Microsoft's market cap can't be can't consist of its profits from Connect and 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 Xbox, right? I mean, you could have a very successful smaller company that did those things, but not a market behemoth. There's not that many people who play video games to make up that. Well, but Connect, I mean, as a as a concept, could become pretty big. I mean, it could become like a primary input device. Maybe. You know, I mean, like but for, I mean, for, for computing. But overall, Microsoft is just, it's not, it's not the Microsoft of 1995. Right. 1993, where you just, where they so the same thing's going to happen with Apple. It's just going to drift back to a regular company. Yeah. Absolutely. I think so. I don't think, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any way for it to, to, Steve Jobs is gone. You know, well, it's like if, if, if Elon Musk died in a car accident or rocket explosion. Yeah. Those, those Tesla companies. would not achieve anything like what it's going to achieve with him for the next ten years. Yeah, you know they just they're just they're special human beings that have that have a combination of vision, intelligence, Hutzpah. judgment, balls, yeah. <laughs> work ethic. <laughs> you know, uh, wisdom. I just have the right aesthetic sense. I mean, the right combination of of things that are just incredibly hard. It's like, well, why did after my why did why did the bulls you know, fall so quickly after Jordan, you know, retired. Yeah. Because there's no more Jordan. Because there's not a lot of Michael Jordans running around. In fact, there's almost none. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's, it's too bad. It's too bad to watch it, but that's just how the world is. I mean, I, I don't... Well, that's depressing. Why don't you depress us even more with, like, some letters from well, the do dark you think side that, Do you that? think that Tim Cook, this operations optimization guy, is going to be, like, a visionary going to replace Jobs' vision? And No, but I, it's like, like I just told you. I mean, I just, it just seems nuts to me that... I think they should, have a, they should institute a process where they go within and find a way of, like... People should be able to nominate themselves. I, I, I'm a visionary. I've got ideas. And then other people from the company should be able to like look at the ideas that those people are presenting, look at the things that those people bring about. And somehow they should be able to go within and bring out talent from inter, you know, internally. And that would be something that they could do. I don't, I don't understand why, they, why a company can't do that. But unfortunately, that's not how human beings work. That's not how societies work and groups of people work. Why? There's there's egos and jealousies and power and control and all those things that make it so that those things don't happen. People want credit. They want, you know, they don't want people to eclipse them. They don't want people. Yeah. People, it's just, it's not how humans work. But if the person at the very but top. It's for the, but, but it's for, but it's for the good of the. Gives, that's not how humans work. But it's for the, no, no, but it's for the good of the hive. And, and humans. What world are you living in? No, are you no, living in this world? No, but hold on a second. <laughs> hold on. There, 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 are, there is, um. There are examples of where there are examples. Like, for example, humans will save people, save other people before themselves if the Titanic's sinking. There are special cases. Generally speaking, Apple is the Titanic, right? And the 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 workforce of the Apple could the workforce of the Apple basically people in Apple could come together and try and help them find other people within the organization. You think it's impossible? Not going to happen. I mean, I mean, it probably isn't going to happen. The, the, I'm just it's, saying. It's the, the E equals MC squared of human behavior is that people are primarily self-interested. 
You and see, that's just how we've evolved. That's how we are. That's, I mean, that's the empirical evidence. You were me. just praising me for my sideways thinking before. And now, now I'm offering sideways thinking about how Apple could get out of this. And you're saying, no, that's... Yeah. I'm willing to take uh, a bet enough. on it if you want to bet fair enough. on it. You're, you're, being <laughs> like, you're being like Udi was about the, uh, the returning... No, well, you're you're no no because I feel like you're doing the Udi. You're you're believing in a fantasy based in a worldview of where you'd like things to be or they should be, but not how they are. Right. You know. Okay. The reality is that that's just not how we're not that selfless, and we don't work that well in groups to make that happen. Groups are groups tend to be political, bureaucratic, and dysfunctional. No, they wouldn't. Groups of women are just groups of people too. They have their own dysfunctions and jealousies and control issues and power issues you know you know but how do you get leaders then like like well most leaders, leaders i mean most leaders suck but you get elected leaders i mean we you know we elect leaders and we don't go oh god i wish i was the leader yeah they do most people wish they were the leader most i don't want to be a bomber i'm glad like he can nah, do I, he- yeah but most people would, would if they had could have really legitimately be in control would be in control you get the power the know. fame and the money I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I don't people, think a lot. I think a lot of people literally would hate the job of being president. Well, maybe, maybe they don't want to be a, a specifically president of the United States. But generally, when it comes to power, their own people com- want power. They want money. They want fame. God, you know, maybe I mean, they I, they have different versions. A uh, different. They uh, they want more money, and then they want I mean, power. Want more. I remember working for a big company, Elsevier, and I did. I never thought to myself, I want to run Elsevier. <laughs> yeah, but all you're talking, all you've been talking about last few years is how I want to build a big company. I want to start my own company. I right, want to be yeah, the but, CTO. I want to be in charge. Yeah, but only because I, I'd built it from the ground. If, if you don't build it from the ground up, you wouldn't have a freaking clue and you'd just look like an idiot. Yeah, well, you know that's just I mean? because your your own lack of confidence, your ability to run a particular, particular institution or particular company, organization. But you still want to be in charge <laughs> of what you're of your own domain. I'm, anyway, the uh, bottom line is... Um, I was hey, I was CEO of Plugio. I built it and I sold it. CEO of one, an <laughs> army of one. <laughs> That's why I think it's so ridiculous when you have like a CTO of a three-person company or five or even ten-person company. Yeah, that just sounds so silly. You know, I'm the CTO and I'm the CEO. It's like, dude, like <laughs> there's eight of us. You know, yeah. give me a break. Um, and uh, CEO and toilet cleaner. Right. So. All right, what else you got? Let's see, what else do I got? Let me see if I don't bring up. Um, let's see. Oh, you know what's interesting? They're, uh, they're talking about, it was, it was in the Boston Globe, there's an article called How Dangerous is America? And, you know, it's talking about how much money we put into all this, these weapons? NSA stuff. Oh, NSA, stuff. yeah. And, and, uh, and I've mentioned this at different times. I didn't have the specific numbers, but this guy's a professor of, ma- a professor of management sciences at uh, the Yale School of, of Management. And he says, here's a couple of key figures. He says, between 2007 and 2011, your chances of being killed in a terrorist attack were about 1 in 20 million. Wow. You have about a 1 in 126,000 lifetime risk of being killed by lightning. So you're roughly 15, 18 times more likely to be struck by lightning than being killed in a terrorist attack. This is before, even before 2011. Yeah, no, wait, no, 20, no, that would be, I'm sorry, my math is off there. So let's say, you know, 200 times more likely to be struck by lightning. And you have a one in chance, one in seven chance of dying from heart disease and for cancer. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And uh, so, but here are our national priorities and how we spend our money. The Department of Homeland Security gets about $60 billion in its annual budget. $60 billion for that one in 20 million shot. And the National Institute of Health spends some $2 billion a year on cardiovascular research and $6 billion on cancer. Jesus. So they have a combined $8 billion versus a $60 billion for Homeland Security. Makes no sense. Isn't that, isn't that just ridiculous? Yeah, I mean, there was a great article in, um, in I think it was Nation or Salon that I just read yesterday talking about how, you know, how ridiculous this sort of political theater is and like the danger of all these, you know, terrorist attacks and how they had this uns- unspecific terrorist warning. They shut down like 20 embassies overseas and it was just, it was just total bullshit. It yeah. was just a total cynical play to, uh, to, to take, to distract from the NSA stuff and then, and then, and then make it look like this, like we're at risk. What is the latest with Snowden? Snowden's, uh, he was offered a, he was offered a job by the, um, I guess the CEO or founder of the, I guess the Facebook equivalent in Russia. And really? He was granted us. He's been granted asylum in Russia. Huh. So I think he's. I think he's going to be all right for the short term. I think you saw that um, that email provider that was pulled down. And did you did you see that on Hacker News? Oh, um, uh, what was it called? Um, I'm blanking on the Flixia name. or something like that. I can't remember the name Flixia. of it. No, I just made that up. And no, but any, but anyway, um, I forget. And then another what, one, what Silent did, Circle, followed in its footsteps as well. Uh, I think uh, the Wall Street Journal, someone anyway, basically put two and two together and said that was what's that was the email system that Snowden was using to communicate. Yeah, no, I think that was well known. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So and so the guy just said, look, you know, they're getting. I think he's getting lots of national security letters from the FBI or whoever and they're and, and basically like I, you know he doesn't want to have to comply with that stuff and 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 basically serve as a large-scale fbi informant right because if i'm if i'm letting you tie in all my systems i'm just giving up all this supposedly encrypted yeah private stuff to you guys and i'm just an informant so what's right? he what are you, so he's just shut gonna, down the company he just shuts it down and then but he just like turns it off yeah it's like, well, I'm not and all of the people who are using the system they're gonna have to find another system yeah yeah, and uh, Silent Circle did the same thing, which is another one. They just fed the writing wall. Basically, the guy said, uh, God, I wish I knew the name of the company. I just I don't know why I'm blanking on it, but he said, it just seems. He said, uh, you cannot, and he put this emphasis, you cannot trust any data that's stored in the United States, period. Any, anything, anything that you store on any servers within the United States, um, are, you can just assume that the NSA and the FBI, if they want, is going to have full access to. And uh, the companies aren't going to be able to talk about it. And if they do, they're only going to talk around it and say, well, and they're not going to tell people about it in general. And it's just going to be a, just a total BS. So how safe, is, how safe is the USA? Not very safe, apparently. Well, according to the TSA, not very. Because apparently the TSA, our favorite airport, airport yeah. people, so they are they have vastly expanded to sporting events, music festivals, rodeos, highway way stations, and train terminals. Oh these, my God. these Viper teams. It says now has a $100 million annual budget, and it's increased um, to several hundred people and 37 teams, up from 10 teams in 2008. And uh, the teams ran more than 8,800 unannounced checkpoints in search operations with local law enforcement outside of airports last and year. And what did they find? Nothing. Huh. You know, so it's like, it's, again, it's like, it's this slow lurching towards a, an authoritarian state. I mean, it's, it's a police state. I mean, it's like, 
you know, it's not here today, but it's like every year that goes by, we get closer, a little bit closer. And closer and like, I mean, the, the, it was, but it's well, like England's surveillance. Like it just happens slow over time. And the next thing you know, it's like, like it's locked down in England. Every, every building has a CCTV camera, you know, it's and ridiculous. it's just happened over time. It's ridiculous. And that's what's happened with the NSA and that's happened with the TSA. And that's happened with, um, uh, with the, oh, you know, the, the, the hacker news yesterday was like the SWAT team, the militarization of the police, because all of these police departments and all these, you know, cities across the country have applied for Homeland Security grants and they go out and they buy all this SWAT equipment and SWAT training and they buy these Bearcat, like, you know, like tanks, personnel tanks. And, uh, and now when they go to like people's houses because of, a, of some kind of a dispute, they bust in with like 10 SWAT guys instead of having a one police officer knock them and go, okay, what's the problem? And and people are getting killed, and, and sometimes they go into the wrong houses, and sometimes people get severely injured or beaten, and and it's just uh, you know, and it's like people say, well, that seems like really strange or edge case. But well, I could imagine you at, at, at the rate we're going, if you just look, you say, let's just draw a line and see how quickly the budgets are growing and yeah. how quickly we're going in this direction. Where we're going to be in five, ten, twenty years from now? You know, I mean, it's already people already thought this whole idea of what the NSA was doing that they're grabbing everything, they're grabbing all of the content from that it's already been this came this came in the new york times or wall street journal that they're grabbing all content to and from um you know you if you talk to anyone overseas so when every time i email guyon who lives in norway or every time i talk on just describing the bits that go through the yeah everything everything gets searched and flagged and filtered based on on um, on keywords you know and and it, and it'd be my guess that that's happening in the U.S. as well. It's, it's probably all domestic, domestic. It's just it hasn't that Snowden document hasn't come out yet. <laughs> but if you talked about this, even after the initial Prism uh, revelations, people would say, "Oh, that's that's crazy. It's paranoid. There's no evidence that anything like that happened. And how would they ever do that?" Now it's like, yeah, that's it's now it's like common. Now it's common knowledge. It's like amazing how it can go from that's impossible. It could never have happened. That's crazy talk to it's common knowledge. Oh, everybody knew that. Yeah, but like, uh, and people aren't up in arms about it. I mean, not to a point where it's going to have any change. I mean, it's just going to stay exactly the same. Because, well, I think partly because people to some degree um, aren't really sure what they can do about it. And they don't feel, they feel powerless. People don't feel like they can do anything. And they feel like the protests don't do anything. And people are afraid, and people are afraid to go and, and to some degree are afraid to go and protest. Which is so the why, in, in a sense, Anonymous and those kind of organizations are, maybe deserve a bit more respect. Yeah, well, they're to, to, I mean, you have certain people in Anonymous who do dumb things like release credit card numbers from people who, you know, like credit cards of the, of the customers for Sony. And those things are, that's kind of dumb because if, if you're kind of, if you're trying to make a political statement and you're trying to un, um, to shine a light on um, corruption, whether it's corporate corruption or governmental corruption, it's stupid to do things that are compromising the uh, of innocent people with the credit cards. But I bet that I bet that that kind of stuff is set up by the government on purpose to discredit anonymous. That's possible because they 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 do do. I mean, there's a lot of estimates like one in four of of uh, people in the anonymous or whatever FBI informants and you know and even whether or not that's true or not the FBI would like them to believe that because that just that creates such a, uh, an atmosphere of trust that nobody trusts anyone to be much less effective and you know and th- that happens all the time you know where uh, in the FBI or CIA they infiltrate activist groups and dissident groups and things like that but you're right I mean the reason that anonymous exists and things like it exist is because 
a large percent of the population are feeling like this government doesn't represent them. And it's, 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 it's beyond oversight and it's beyond accountability. And it's sort of like an equivalent, like a vigilante force. But instead of vigilante going after local criminals, vigilante is going after government and corporate corruption. I mean, that's mm. kind of, that's what it's, exp- that's, that's probably 80% of what it's expressing, you yeah. know, and, and in the collective, anonymous is a collective. So there are lots of people who have all kind of different agendas and everybody agrees with what, what, what's going on. Just like you could even say within the FBI or CIA or Pentagon or anyone, or even Washington, there's not like one vision. There's lots of different, in I'm, aggregate it behaves a certain way, but there's lots of individual agendas and um, in perspectives and the priorities. And I'm curious, you seem kind of pissed about it. I, I you know, I think we yeah. should all be really. No, I am as well. It. But I'm just curious, like whether you would ever do anything. Would I do anything? Like, like do what? You'd, I don't know. Like anything? Like, like run for email? politics or write an email or, you know. Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like talking about the podcast. You know, we get thousands of people listening yeah. to our show. At least, at that's least, doing at something. Least, at least I'm doing. At least I'm making people aware of some of this stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean. Um, so I could write a blog post about it, but there's already lots of blog posts about it. Um, you know, I tweet about it. I'm just like, I throw in my two cents, you know, we need a Steve Jobs of this. Oh, you need like a, like this, an incredible leader to, yeah. come. you know, yeah. But all that's going to happen is they'll get shot no. two to the head. No, they're not going to get shot. What'll happen is people just get, they'll um, be discredited. They just get discredited. You dig up, well, dirt. I mean, you dig up dirt and you discredit them and you focus all the media's attention on on some one particular weird thing that they did but or it's said like i mean for example take no agenda i mean they talk about this stuff all the time adam curry talks about this stuff all the time so does john dvorak and they have you know a million listeners i think at this stage still nothing happens from it well so the, the problems is that um you know you can even get i mean i think there there are now millions of people who are very aware of this stuff and, a very, and aware of it in, in, in pretty good detail. I mean, even in Hacker News, which is full of a lot of, I mean, it's a lot of smart people, but also a lot of influential people, a lot of venture capitalists and wealthy internet people and entrepreneurs and stuff. And they're all very aware. And, and, and the consensus on at the Hacker News waterhole is that people are pissed off. You have the, you have the, uh, the, uh, um, the occasional sort of statist apologist or, or or whatever but they keep being proven wrong over and over again you know every time they nay say and then like a month later it's like oh yeah did you say this wasn't gonna this wasn't true right yeah <laughs> but the vast majority of people are are pissed and think this is a big problem right but it's not enough you have to have not only do you you have to have the the um the real power players the power brokers in washington the, the you know who's funding these who's funding the campaigns for the politicians who's funding the lobbyists the lobbyists themselves and and the media itself like if the media but the media generally plays to the is is, is really sycophantic that really just it's a supine media it just plays to the to the institute to the institution they just kiss up and and apolog, and, and act as apologists and stenographers for most of what's going on in Washington, you know, and the only time they, they, you know, they go, they, they're, they're like Fox or MSNBC and they pretty much just, um, reflect whatever the Republicans or Democrats position is, but you don't have anyone calling bullshit on what all the things that they're kind of both guilty of. Right. And the media, and the, and the media is very, um, circumspect about pointing those things out and they only do it a little bit. You'll see other, an article here, an op-ed there, but not the mainstream talking heads. So, but you would have to overcome 
this sort of institution, institutional inertia, whether in, in, you know, and, and whether it's the media and the lobbyists and the, and the money and, and all that stuff, you'd have to have an overwhelming electorate position on this thing. And you don't, you might have a slight majority. It's like 57% of the people think that uh, Snow, what Snowden did was good for the country and that he's a whistleblower, not a traitor. He says things like that. So he's, he's, a, he's a slight majority. Well, and that is, it is forcing Obama's hand, but it's not like it's 80%. Yeah, because the middle America just don't. It's not just middle America. It's just people who generally just uh, they have uh, they have other other concerns. They just they don't see it in their daily life. Yeah, it doesn't affect them in their life, and they have ten other things that are just more important. You know, yeah. what what's more important in my life right now? My important is I got to figure out how we're gonna pay bills, or I got to figure out I got to help my kids with their homework, or I gotta exactly know. can I afford can I afford food? You it's know? still too abstract. The problem is. When it stops being abstract and starts being real in their lives, it's too late. Then it's going to be too late. It's too yeah, late. you can't change it. Well, look at this. It, it probably is too late for the NSA. I mean, oh no, it definitely too it, late. It, I mean, I'm hoping that we're going to have some reform and it's forcing Obama to talk about it and 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 maybe Greenwald's strategy of leaking out these documents slowly over time so it keeps it in the news cycle over and over again and continually discrediting the politicians who and the and the media pundits who come out and 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 and. Um, and, and, and basically lie and, and try and misdirect to keep things off the key point. But it's going to basically, it's like, it's sort of like Watergate. What we've had oh, it's is... but times 10. What we've, well, no, but what we've happened is like, had sorry, what has happened is like Watergate, but there is zero change. There's, no, there's not going to be any change. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it could be like... Um, so it's like, uh, oh, we all know about it, but no, nah, well, let's just... Yeah, that's what it is. It, I, you know, but there's a part of me that holds out hope that 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 we can. I mean, hope is a dangerous thing, so you can't just rely on hope. You have to like kind of try and do stuff. And like I said, my two cent, my little bit that I try and do is at least talk about on the show. But it's it is really like um, they're saying, which is like it's impossible until it's inevitable, and it, it seems impossible now. But it's I I, th- I think we have enough momentum going that. I'm hoping, and it could be possible, that within a few months we're going to see some real reforms. People, Because what's happening is the people in the media, the columnists and stuff who were initially naysaying this stuff, are starting to come around. Right. They're starting to realize. Because what they did is they, they, they would always give the government the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. If the NSA says this, or the FBI says this, or Homeland Security says this, or Obama says this, then we give them the benefit and we'll take them at their word. And they're just discovering that those people are lying. They're withholding truths. They're making up new definitions of words like collect and surveil, and they and they may and so basically just mislead everybody. And and there's only so much cognitive dissonance that people can take where they believe one thing and then the evidence keeps coming out and showing the other. And after a while, they're just like, you know, I keep reading articles and, I, and, and, and opinion pieces by some of these people, and they're just like, yeah, you know, this is actually really bad. Now they think about it, and then it's starting to turn the table. So it might to the point where it's like it's like this big rock that you're trying to push down a hill or it just it boulder, and no one can push it, and it's eventually rock and rock, and then it just starts to go. That'd be great. And it may be it may be enough, and I'm I'm in a hoping. I mean, there's a part of me that's cynical thinking that's going to happen. Part but the of me thing is, the, the thing is, like, let's say they agreed. Let's say, let's say that the rock moved and all of a sudden the rock was rolling down the hill and there was big reform. You're never going to stop black ops doing the same thing. I mean, okay, fine. They'll stop to th- this version of it. Now we've stopped. There'll just be some other version of it that you won't see. There's a, yeah, there's like going to be a constant fight between what you might call the, the sort of secret government right i mean it's, it's not i mean i don't mean that in some of the fair but i mean like in terms of like what the cia is doing and all the, all, all the secret stuff that's going on that we don't know about 
all the heat because there's this massive percentage of the documents are are are, are, uh, are classified as top secret. There's a huge percentage of people have top secret clearances, and there's a, there's a huge percent of stuff going on that we just are not given pr- privilege to, to to be aware of or to discuss. Right? You don't know about all of the uh, all of the uh, joint special operations stuff that's going on, and the assassinations that are going on in all these different co- countries, and the stuff that the, the special activities group, a division within CIA, and what they're doing, and what uh, you know. I mean, there's all kind of nasty stuff going. There's all kind of drone attacks that kind of make the news that kind of don't. And you're right. People are always going to, there are always going to be people in positions of power within the government and they're going to try and exert that power in ways that are extra constitutional, that are not constitutional and that are not in the public view. And it's going to be continual back and pendulum. But especially when the technology is so easy and by easy, I know it's difficult. It is difficult, but it is easy too. Like the end of the day, if all it takes is tapping an, Mm -hmm. you know, an internet pipe, Mm-hmm. And just like siphoning off the data, that's easy to do, right? That is. And then, you know, the, the, the problem of like unpacking that data and turning it into meaningful documents, it's a solvable problem. Right. So once that's easy, well, you know, as long as that's a possibility and it will always be, s- someone will always do it. <laughs> so this uh, essentially, yeah, I mean, it's just, we're it's screwed. Like, well, it's a back and forth. Well, we're screwed. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that, um, so what could happen, I mean, if you come out and you have a lot of this this NSA stuff just officially repealed, like actually not just challenged in court to improve it on constitutional, but like the, the Congress just doesn't even get it, let it go that far, passes new laws, says, look, you can't do this, you explicitly cannot do these things, or we're repealing certain um, uh, parts of the Patriot Act, you know, but that that would probably put a cap on that for the time being. It will always be sneaking back in. Like the NSA, every time there was some, like there was a whole total information awareness um, uh, project and there were different types of things that were that under, under the Bush regime that we that were discovered and that were quashed because a lot of pushback and then they were renamed and restarted just like you're saying under another names. You yeah. know that there's one thing we could do. This is a crazy idea, sideways thinking. We could change the internet. So that packets weren't allowed to be siphoned off in that way. Like basically packets had a, de- a destination and it was, only, it was only at the destination that they could kind of be unpacked as it were. Well, that's kind of the theory of encryption, right? I mean, you have to have the right keys. You have to right, but, but if, you said, if you said that the whole internet worked that way, like it, there, there, was no, there was nothing transparent on the internet. You basically redid well, basic I think, internet I, I, protocol. I think... Um, and I keep reading about this. I mean, I don't know really much anything about this, but they talk about quantum encryption. Yeah. You know, so if we have a quantum encrypted internet, so that if you even look or observe the data, it scrambles, it screws up, you can't, you know. So yeah. if you if you had a quantum encrypted internet, it might be, you know, impervious to the, to this kind of uh, huh. dragnet yeah. global real-time surveillance system. That would be very, very cool. I think that's what we want. I think that's what we're going to push for. That's hope. That's it. Well, yeah, that's that's hope. That's hope right there. That's hope in a hope in a in a bottle. All right. I think um, I think we should uh, hope in a what is that? Hope in a box in a quantum encryption box. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess that's it, right? I gotta actually I gotta get the kids and head to the gym. All right. So, All right. That's a wrap. We're out.